And just like that, we are on to Dallas. What's up, Jets fans? Welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terman and Chris Schubert. As you can see, no Glenn Naughton tonight, but Glenn did leave us a little bit of a surprise. A, a special guest is going to come on and help us break down this Dallas Cowboys matchup, but not from the Jets' perspective. You're going to get 33% of this podcast from the Dallas Cowboys' perspective. So we are very happy to have former Dallas Cowboys wide receiver, former University of North Carolina alumni, Jesse Holly. Let's welcome him in. Jesse, how you doing tonight? What's up, fellas? How you guys doing, man? Good. Uh, two one and O teams here. We'll just get right into it. Two one and O teams, right? Uh, Jets and Cowboys. Cowboys coming off a huge drubbing in MetLife Stadium of the Giants, forty to nothing. Jets obviously coming off their thriller overtime win on Monday night, so they have a bit of a short game. And this is going to be a highly contested one. I know Aaron Rodgers, the, the Dallas Cowboy killer, is no longer on the on the field for the Jets. It's really heartbreaking. <laughs> Yeah, Jesse's doing a prayer for those not watching on YouTube, and I think it's um, it's pretty justified. Uh, yes. So we'll just start right there. Uh, what are your thoughts about the matchup with Aaron Rodgers versus without Aaron Rodgers? Because I know that that's going to be a huge one that Jets are going to talk about all season long. Man, with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I, I've said this publicly before. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, it, it came to the point in time, and I, I played against – I played on Cowboys team that played against Aaron Rodgers, and I've been covering this team. Yeah, I mean – AT&T Stadium, actually, like the A in AT&T stands for Aaron. Like, literally, he does what he wants in AT&T Stadium. He has for a very long time. Um, as a fan of greatness, you look forward to seeing – like, I, I I can separate my fandom for a team, my, my love for playing for an organization, and me just being a fan of greatness. You like to kind of just sit back and watch at that time, you know, to see a guy – throw off platform or throw a ball, you know, on a rope. And you're just like, damn, that's just, I, I you know, I, I love to see Steph Curry shoot threes or Tiger Woods in the, in the, in the, in, you know, on a, on a Sunday back nine at Augusta. Like you like to wait for those moments of greatness and witness them, whether it's happening for your team or against your team, you kind of sometimes just marvel in that. And so uh, it's sad that we won't get a chance to see that, but I can tell you from a fan's perspective, uh, no one's feeling sorry for the New York Jets that Aaron Rodgers not coming to Dallas being the starting quarterback. You, what's that? You oh, no, sorry. I, I was, yeah, I was just going to ask Jesse top line. I, I think when we look at this matchup, everybody looks back to the, the 40, nothing uh, win that the Cowboys just had. I'd like to d drill down a little bit deeper and go beyond the 40 to nothing box score, because I think a lot of people probably tuned out of that game after it got a little bit out of hand. <laughs> Uh, late in the second half. So I would ask you this from a top line perspective going into week two, what are the big things that you're keeping an eye on for this Cowboys team, not just this week, but for throughout the course of the remainder of the season? I think the biggest thing for us right now is, is injury, right? You still got guys like Tyler Smith, who uh, we don't know if he's going to play this week, dealing with the hamstring injury. Zach Martin showed up on the injury report today with a groin. He was on the local radio and he said he just a little tight, but he'll get through it. Brandon Cooks has come up with a knee injury, it's been going back and forth. It's been like a source battle. Some sources have said it's a sprained MCL. Some sources have said it's just a sore knee. So we don't really know what that is. So I think the biggest thing is keeping the injury on, keeping an eye on the injuries that may come about for, for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the biggest thing for this team right now, and I think was the most Im impressive part about that 40 to nothing victory was just how dominant this defense was. Uh, this defense was led the league in turnovers the last two 
seasons, it's kind of picked up where they left off last year and where they left off in training camp. Micah Parsons is still an unblockable beast. Uh, but you add Stefan Gilmore to the mix. Um, I, I love the young – I call them the others, guys like Wanya Thomas and, and, and Marquise Bell who are stepping up. Uh, Marquise Bell was axed a month ago after uh, uh, Demarion Overshawn went out with an ACL. He was asked by Dan Quinn, hey, can you play some linebacker? The Cowboys have kind of went into this whole big nickel, big dime package where they're using linebackers now, you know, Buda Baker type players where they call them the star linebackers uh, in their packages now. So Marquise Bell was asked to, to play that role, and he's filled in more than adequately to do that. And, and it's brought a level of juice of physicalness added to J. Ron Curse. We're still waiting for Donovan Wilson to come back uh, to that mix as well. So defensively, that that has been – uh, the, the, the highlight of this thing. And uh, for a lot of us, we, when I watched the film from the game, um, I, I likened it to that viral clip of Miles Garrett kind of doing that dribbling thing over the <laughs> center. And I feel like that's what Mike McCarthy's doing. He's just like, I'm just waiting for my moment. As soon as I get my moment and it didn't call for it in the Giants game. By halftime, that, the game plan had changed. You saw the momentum of that game and you knew that the Giants didn't really have anything going for themselves. And, he knew that the defense was going to take care of what they needed to take care of. So he laid off on what he wanted to do offensively. I think now being indoors at home, you're really going to get a chance to see this Texas Coast, West Coast offense really on display. Uh, and, and it's going to be against a really good Jets defense. That That is what they're going to hang their hats on this season with or without Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and so uh, we look forward to that. They look forward to say, we I'm not playing. Uh, but they look forward to to that challenge of being able to meet uh, to match force against force. Yeah, so you named a lot of good players there, Wanye Thomas specifically, who caught me by surprise. And each week we've been doing a tale of the tape, uh, positional battles, Jets versus, obviously, last week, Bills. This week we're going to do Jets versus Cowboys. And Chris and I collectively came up with a list. And we're just going to have you poke holes in it. But when we got to the safety position, it was really tough to, despite the good play of Jordan Whitehead, like you had to put the Cowboys over the Jets at the safety position. So we could just jump right into it from there because as this kind of goes, we'll have questions based on each position group. So this is our week. You got a Sharpie preview. marker, Dylan? We got we to gotta cross off Glenn's name because he did this tonight. You got to get that yeah. Sharpie marker out and just cross that guy. He's not here today. Get him out of I know, here. right? Can't believe this guy's working over talking about Jets Cowboys right now. Two undefeated teams. Like, when are we ever undefeated in week two? And he just bails on us. Uh, so, Jesse, real quick, I just want I just want to bring this up. When Dan Quinn goes to you and says, hey, I'd like you to try a different position. I'd like to do something with you. As a player, that's got to be super rewarding because this is one of the best defensive minds in the game right now that clearly sees something in practice and on tape that goes, this is a guy that I can do something special with. Because each and every week that we see this Cowboy defense, we talk about the creativity of Dan Quinn all of the stuff that he's able to do. And so when he seeks out a player and says, yeah, I'm going to change your position, that's kind of special. Absolutely. And and you want that as a player because now what has happened now, they found extra value in you. When a coach mm -hmm. comes to you and think like, this is the guy that I think can do it. It reminds me of, of, of listening about how Darren Woodson was back in the heyday of the 90s. They would tell you Darren Woodson could play any position on the defense. Like he knew any and every position, whether that was free safety, strong safety, nickel, cornerback, whatever they needed him to play, he knew he had the knowledge to do so. And that just goes to credit to show for um, a guy like Marquise Bell, who's able to do it, and a guy like uh, Dan Quinn, who's not afraid to allow his players to, to, to blossom and to grow. I mean, he found Michael Parsons that way due to injury. He was like, well, we lost both of our defensive ends. Let's see what this number 11 kid can do at the rush end. 
holy crap, he's really good at it. He's no longer playing linebacker anymore, ladies and gentlemen. He's now yeah, a rusher as well. So we're very scared on this. So side yeah, that, that's of, that, that's, that's, a, Parsons. that's a huge credit to to Marquise Bell, and that just shows you the confidence and the creativity uh, from Dan Quinn and, and understanding where the league is now going with having some of these kind of hybrid players uh, playing those positions. Yeah, and I think keeping on the the topic of Dan Quinn, I feel like, and you can speak more on this, that he's licking his chops, looking at number two back there behind center. And as you can see on the graphic here, we are not giving any advantage to the Jets. Obviously, Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Zach. Wilson. I just, I What's just up? have to laugh. I just have to laugh at the situation because Jesse, we did this last week and we went to this slide first, and I said we we did, all three of us talked about how oh. Every week, you're going to probably be able to put the Jets down as having at least a tie at the quarterback position. Yep. Here we are a week later, and I don't see any scenario in which the Jets logo is back in that box the remainder of the season. It's incredible how a week we've changed everything. And that's how it happens, man. Uh, so, so my question to you just regarding Zach Wilson is – can Dan Quinn or can the Jets do enough to hide Zach Wilson from Dan Quinn's defense? Or is it just inevitable that he's just going to be running for his life and Jets fans are going to see more of year one and two Zach Wilson as opposed to this supposedly new and improved can hit the layups Zach Wilson? One, two, Zach, we're coming for you. Three, four, you better lock that door. Five, six. Mike is real quick. Seven, eight, don't be so late. It's, it's, no, you can't. You can't. The, the best thing that the Jets can do to hide Zach Wilson behind that offensive line is run the football, get the ball out of his hands extremely quick. And that's been the biggest issue when it comes to Zach Wilson. He just holds on to the football far too. This isn't BYU. You're not the best athlete out there anymore. And you think for one second that you're going to be able to run away from Michael Parsons? You're like people hear and see about Michael Parsons on the you know, on highlights stuff like that. One, people don't realize just how freak of an athlete he is. He's about six foot three, two fifty. But until you see him up close and personal, run down another superior athlete, I mean, it just closes the gap on him so quick. You 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 won't know. And, and Zach. This is if, if Aaron can tell him anything, it's don't try to make the hero play. Throw it away. Throw it away. Throw it. Get, get, if you don't have a decision right now, throw it away because Micah is coming. Yeah, Dylan, I think the thing for me when I, I look at this is we are going to be able to I think we can live in a world. I'm not predicting it. And we'll get to the predictions of how we think the game is going to go at the end. But we can live in a world where Dan Quinn and Micah Parsons make life difficult for Zach Wilson. And he's still able to be good enough for the Jets to win the football game. Both of those things can be true in the game on Sunday. You have in, so. really because I, I think I think they're going to be able to scheme enough to put Zach in a position to do something. It's going to be up to Zach to make those throws and make those plays. The but best I thing think... that they can do for Zach Wilson is to, your next slide, is to get Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, and Michael Carter downhill. That is the one yeah. area that I think the Cowboys still have not answered, even with the drafting of Mozzie Smith, who... I don't want to be on the young boy's head just right now, but hasn't really shown up. Uh, mm -hmm. Hankins has come in and did, done an admirable job, but the ability to to stop the run is still a sore spot for us defensively, a, a soft spot. 
Um, so the, the, the Jets getting into – see, this, this is the thing. The Jets have to run the ball really, really, really well in those, in those 22 personnel, 13 personnel, where they have three tight ends, two tight ends on the field. They did it a ton. Um, there we go. Yeah. There we they go. Did it a ton. There we they go. Right? See, I'm watching film, guys. I'm, I'm watching film too. Um, Absolutely. To get, to get into those sets to run the football. But now, what negates is you do is, well, if I'm on two tight end sets or three tight end sets, that means I'm only going to have Garrett Wilson out there, or I'm not going to have Garrett Wilson and Lazard out there. So you limit the opportunity to stretch the field vertically. And Dan Quinn is quite confident in saying, I'm willing to match up Stefan Diggs, Stefan, excuse me, Trayvon Diggs and Stefan Gilmore with, with Garrett Wilson and with Lazard, and, and we'll take our chances, right? And so, and that's the give and take. Now, if you're running the football effectively, now what you've done is you've 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 become the aggressor. Where the Giants went wrong last week was after that first drive, if you watched that game. I thought the Giants had came back the second drive because they fall start, then it was a bad snap, and then they, we blocked the field goal. I thought the Giants should have came right back and run the ball and marched down the field again. For whatever whatever reason, Mike Kepka got into this. He, he, he glitched, and he thought, I'm just going to pass the ball now because we're down 7-0 for whatever reason, and that just unleashed the Micah attack. The, the, the answer to save Zach Wilson is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then in the manageable downs – third and five, four, or three, that's when you can now use his a passing ability to maybe sometimes set up that situation where um, we're going to do a little bit of play action and then we're going to have Garrett Wilson, you know, one-on-one down the field on a double move or some sort of other move where he's able to use his uh, athletic ability. But when you have to go and you let's say, your, your five offensive linemen versus our down four adding our fifth guy, that's going to leave Michael Parsons one-on-one with somebody or guys like also Diggy Zoo or somebody like that one-on-one with somebody. That's going to be a very difficult proposition to win uh, uh, most downs in the football game. So you, you have to limit Garrett Wilson in situations where the defense and Dan Quinn can pin their ears back and just come after him. I think to your point there, Jesse, we saw what the Giants didn't want to do is exactly what the Jets did. They came out in the second half. They were down two scores. They were down 10 points in the game, and there was still a um, commitment to using Brees Hall, to using Dalvin Cook, to running the football. And so Nathaniel Hackett is known for being able to run the football effectively. That's his That's his, yeah. That's his. his bread and butter as a coordinator. It's what made him successful in Jacksonville, being able to get that team to an AFC title game. It's part of the reason why he was you know, drawn into this job. So we've, we've seen them, even when being down in the second half of a football game, two scores, being able to commit to the run. The other thing that I'd like to see them do, and I don't know if they're going to do this, but I think one of the things you need to do is you need to confuse defenses. And that, I'm not saying by throw exotic things at what Dan Quinn is doing, but you need to be able to have them off the back foot, mixing in some RPOs, some design QB runs for Zach. If everybody thinks that just Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook are getting the football, it's it's easier to key in on those guys. If you can mix in a screen pass or you can mix in a QB run with Zach, it then just forces defenses, and this goes beyond this Cowboy game for the remainder of the season, it forces defensive coordinators to at least acknowledge other elements of this passing game because I worry – we get four, five, six weeks down the road. Everybody just talks about, oh, play defense and run the football. Well, guess what? Teams are going to start to stack the box against you when you have Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall out there, and Zach's going to be forced to throw the ball, and I don't know if that's going to work. So you've got to be able to throw some creativity in there as well. Hopefully a full week's worth of game planning can help them in that regard. We'll see on Sunday. We don't know what this offense looks like with Zach Wilson in a full week of game prep. We just don't. 
You guys know what this offense looks like with Zach Wilson. He's been there for a while. It's, it's not why, great. It's, 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 not it's, great. A reason, it's a reason why Aaron Rodgers was brought into the building because you know what you have for Zach sure. Wilson in this offense. And to your point, yes, that has to happen. The thing is, is that you hope that you're not running in, in six weeks from now, you're not running into the Dallas Cowboys defense, right? Sure. You're not you're not running into Michael Parsons. So, yeah, then maybe I can do those type of things if I'm running against a, another team's defense who doesn't have right. a Michael Parsons, who doesn't who hasn't led the league in turnovers in the last two years and can create that kind of pressure without bringing extra guys before down linemen. So, yeah, you want to be able to do those things and you want to pick and choose your spots. The thing that, that this is just my thinking when I look at from watching from afar, Zach Wilson and company, and then watching, you know, the, the game from last, from the, uh, last week is Zach has to get out of the mind of like, he has to less Batman, more Robin. Mm-hmm. 100%. Right? Yes. 100%. Like, in fact, be even more Alfred. <laughs> like, be even more Alfred. Like, fair enough. And yeah. that's okay. Like, we don't need you. If the, if the Jets come out of this game victorious, it should be because Zach doesn't have to win you football games. Just doesn't have to lose for you. <laughs> his fingerprints can't be on the reason why you lost. Like, that's it was, the biggest thing. And the, and the recipe towards the beginning part of last season in 2022, where they were able to find that success, is they had a healthy Elijah Vera Tucker and a healthy Brees Hall up front that allowed them to put themselves in exactly that situation where you don't have to be Batman, you don't have to be Robin, you can be Alfred, and you cannot, your fingerprints aren't on a loss. So we've seen this methodology from the Jets be attempted, and it worked for a small sample size last season. I think they're going to need that to be the the main focus of what they're doing. But hopefully over the course of the remaining 16 games, they're able to slowly expand it because Zach builds confidence. That's the only way I see this working out for them long term. Yeah, I agree. And, And I think in terms of personnel, I think the Jets need to stay a little bit more 12 and keep Lazard on the field just to keep defenses honest. Because as soon as you go into 13, you're just submitting that you're probably going to run the ball anyway. So you're opening yourself up to these heavy boxes. The Jets only faced six against the Bills last week, um, and they were in 21, 12, 13, 12, 12, and 22 personnel. So those are all you know heavier sets. But if you're going to go 13 as much as we think they are, 10 reps is kind of a lot for Jets fans to see. Um, you're going to invite a lot of heavy boxes. I don't know if that's kind of the Cowboys thing, being so much of a big nickel, big dime type of team. But if you're facing heavy boxes, you're not going to be able to run the ball. And if nobody respects Zach Wilson, it, it doesn't matter anyway because you become one-dimensional out the gates. We did have a question here from uh, Jay's Beers. He said, how is Dak going to perform against our defense? So I think it's time to flip the coin at the quarterback talk. How is Dak going to fare against our defense? Obviously, our cornerbacks didn't do well last week. They both allowed 50 yards respectively on the outside. Michael Carter allowed a touchdown to Stephon Get- uh, Diggs even though Josh Allen was at least three quarters of a yard past the line of scrimmage. So uh, Jesse, from Dak's perspective, obviously we don't want to look too much at last year, but he did lead the, lead the league in interceptions with 15 and the Jets kind of new challenge is to take the ball away. Do you think if the Jets can force two Dak interceptions, regardless of the play of Zach Wilson, they could keep themselves in it? If they force two Dak interceptions, they'll find themselves more than in this football game. I mean, they, 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 you know, just percentages alone says if you if you create two turnovers that, you know, you're, you're 60 to 70 percent in the direction of winning this football game. You know, 
when I, when I all the talk of this offseason, and I and, and I feel this way, and maybe not a lot of people feel this way, but there's been some unfair criticism, I, I believe, on Dak Prescott, and I'm far from a Dak defender. But when you go back and you watch the last season, and I just kind of go to the mindset of a player at times, what Dak has this year and what I believe is going to be a C.D. Lamb who breaks into that conversation of being one of the elite receivers in the league, I think he's 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 not in that class yet. I think he's in the tier right under it. Um, I think the addition of Brandon Cooks, who's been a walking thousand-yard receiver just about everywhere he's been in the National Football League, uh, Michael Gallup now coming two years removed from that ACL, uh, and then you add the emergence of Jalen Tolbert, who's had a tremendous training camp from where he was a year ago. I look at that and I go, last year this time, the Dallas Cowboys starting receivers were C.D. Lamb, a mentally fragile and broken Michael Gallup coming off an ACL, Dennis Houston, Noah Brown. They were waiting for James Washington to come off the pup list or IR, whatever he was on last year. I mean, the, the options were very, very slim pickings uh, last year. And so I think Dak found himself a lot of times trying to, knowing that I don't have the confidence in the guys that I have out there, so I'm trying to make a play sometimes when there weren't no play. And he found himself, he found himself getting in bad situations. The communication wasn't there. There's a lot of uh, uh, variables in what guys were supposed to be running, knowing, not knowing, and the quarterback relationship, receiver relationship being off. I think the addition of a guy like Brandon Cooks, who really made that wide receiver room strong, CeeDee Lamb taking that next level, he has way better options than he had a year ago. I think last year was a one-off. Um, and, and we're trust and believe you me, we're, we're waiting to see. We're, we're, we're all waiting with bated breath to think, is that next interception going to be the, the floodgates again? Um, but this defense is going to be a challenge. What you guys are able to do up front, you don't need to bring extra pressure. Uh, your front four is more than worthy enough uh, to create headaches. Um, you know, playing a lot of the zone behind uh, that front four is which one of the things that Dak struggled with. And, I, and I, I, I likened it to Robert Sala being in San Francisco and that San Francisco type defense giving Dak a lot of problems with how they did their zone coverages and stuff like that. But I think this new wave of what Mike McCarthy is doing, we now have answers for the zone coverage that we didn't have answers before under Keller Moore, who ran a lot of man concepts, no matter the coverage that teams were giving him. And that, that, that didn't give Dak a lot of options to throw to because you're running man routes in the zone coverages and guys are just sitting there reading your eyes, ready to pounce on it. So, um, you know what? I'm, I'm looking forward to it. it it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge. And, and if Dak wants his name to be in that conversation of the elites, if CD wants his name to be in the conversation of the elites, Tony Pollard and others want the name to be in the conversation of the elites, it, you know, in the words of the great Ric Flair, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. And this is the, the Jets have one of the best defenses in the National Football League, and I think they look at that as a challenge. So I'm, I'm looking at it as one as well. Jesse, I'd like to combine two groups that are on this, this sheet right now for the next question that I ask you. And, again, I don't know how much you can take away from a 40 to nothing game. We were talking about it in the pre-show. You're not going to have that every week. It's just not something that's always going to occur. You're going to be in close games. You're going to be in games where the other team's able to score with you. But this is a new look running back room for the Dallas Cowboys. This has been Ezekiel Elliott's room for a extended period of time. He is gone. This is now Tony Pollard's team. They draft Deuce Vaughn. 
I want you to talk to me about this group and what they, what they what you saw from them in week one, and then the offensive line, the guys up front that are protecting for these guys, and the different configurations we might see. Smith, Martin, one might not play, both might not play. Injury reports, they're popping up. We don't know. So what does this team look like if both guys do play, if one of them isn't in the game on Sunday, if both are out? Just talk to me about this running back group and then the offensive line up front. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Tony Pollard. I love his his versatility, his home run ability. While a lot of times, you know, playing behind Zeke Elliott, I think people thought like Zeke was the guy who got the tough yards in between. But if you look at the numbers, Tony Pollard was just as good in between the tackles as Zeke was. He just wasn't an outside runner. But what Tony also gives you is he gives you the home run ability from inside, uh, the A and B gaps also outside. Um, and then he can also catch the ball out of the backfield. So he's a really, really, really versatile back. Uh, and then you add Enrico Dado to that, who's a, who's a physical back. He plays with a level of physicality. I, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I, I've been saying this since training camp, and it's nothing against Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn was never in the in the equation for me. This is this is one of those games, and I told people that we'll see, we'll probably see more healthy DMPs for a guy like Deuce Vaughn in games like this, uh, because when you start having to get to those 48 men, those jerseys on game day, you now have to start looking at, okay, if a guy like Zach or Tyler are dealing with some sort of injuries, do I add another offensive lineman to the mix? Mm-hmm. Uh, Linebacker-wise, you know that now I'm dealing with a heavy run team. Do I need to bring some more big boys up for this game? And so, right. and then you saw last week, they actually lined up Kevontae Turpin in the backfield and handed him the ball. So if there's packages where you want to run the ball, it's tough to have Deuce Vaughn, who's not giving you anything in the return game or special teams, dress out in a game where you may need some other players to dress in. So, you know, I don't really add Deuce Vaughn into the mix of that situation right now. Uh, but I, I, I like the, the one-two punch that they have between uh, Tony Pollard and Rico Dotto. And then offensive line-wise, um, our, our biggest fear in training camp uh, kind of almost became our worst nightmare at the beginning of the season when – we always thought that Tyron Smith would be the guy who missed some time like he's had in the last couple of years, but it was Tyler Smith that missed time with the hamstring and it's kind of probably will miss another week. Um, don't know what it's going to be with Zach Martin. He's as tough as they come. One of the best to ever do it at his position. Uh, but, but, uh, uh, but Idoga played well last week and he didn't do great, but he wasn't a liability. And I think, one of the things that is incorporated into this West Coast office is the ability to kind of hide the offensive line deficiency by getting the ball out so quickly in the passing game. Uh, these guys do really well um, with going forward. Guys like uh, Terrence Steele, when they have to go forward and downhill, they're a really good run blocking team. It's when you have to have guys uh, like Tyler Biotis and, and, and Idoga and others pass block for a long period of time. That's when it can get a little bit of uh, a little bit of haywire. But the way that they've designed this offense now, it's really get the ball out quick into the guy's hand and allow those guys to be playmakers. And it kind of limits those guys. Dak Prescott got the ball out the fastest in week one at 2.37 uh, seconds. That was the fastest in all of quarterbacks in the National Football League. So that's a that's a theme that they want to continue to do with the, the quarterback, getting the ball out quick so that those offensive linemen don't have to hold blocks for three, four, or five seconds and allow guys like – Quinnen Williams to drive you back into the back row to the lap of Dak Prescott. I think some Jets fans just ducked underneath the table because you said Chuma Adoga's name. I think there are some Jets fans listening to the show that might have r- ran for cover. 
Jeff Legend, Chuma Doga. <laughs> it, it sounds like the overall point about the offensive line is very similar to the Jets. It's run blocking is above average. The Jets ranked out pretty well in, in run blocking, but the pass protection in certain areas is pretty suspect. Obviously, you have a Doga going up against Quinn Williams. It won't be always pretty for the Cowboys' perspective. And if you don't have Zach Martin, that just makes it even worse. Um, but just about Terrence Steele, he's the guy I think the, the man of mystery for me is he – more than adequate to to handle these Jets edges because if we flip this slide here, the Jets have a ton of them and they're getting Carl Lawson back. So is Terrence Steele like the the X factor or the question mark for this offensive line outside of the backup Juma Idoga? No, I, I think Terrence Steele is more than equipped to kind of handle those battles. Again, um what you you want to limit the opportunities of those guys pinning their airbags and just rushing the quarterback. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that, you, you know, when you watch, um, I believe it's uh, it's not Carl Lawson. It's 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 the other Russian. What's his name? Uh, John, Jermaine John Myers, Jermaine Johnson. One of them. He, he's a bull rusher. He I mean, he all he, Jermaine. He, Jermaine, he, OK, yeah, he 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 wants to come at you right down the middle of your chest. Right. He, yep. Yeah. And that's what he wants to do. Like he's he's there is no he, there's no faking, no juking, no moving. <laughs> he's setting that thing. He's a rocket ready to go, and he's like, I'm just going to be a bull. And, and, and so, again, if, if the opportunity when you have to have that over and over and over and over and over again, it's, gonna, it's not going to play well for you, right? Anybody. Uh, Tyron will have issues with that. And same with, with, with Steele. Um, you you want to be able to keep the defense off, off balance. Um, I, I think the biggest concern for us, it's not the outside. It's the inside. It, it, our interior has been the place where we've kind of had concerns where Tyler Biotish and, and, and Doga and others, especially if Zach Martin doesn't play, man, Quinton Williams is, is, is Quinton Williams is, is ridiculous. I mean, this dude is, is he's the kind of guy where two guys won't be enough. And if, if he's pushing guys back into the lap of Dak Prescott, that's the part where it gets difficult because quarterbacks – our quarterback and most quarterbacks can deal with the rush around the end if they have somewhere to step up to. Mm-hmm. But if there's nowhere to step up to, now, now, now we're talking about those ends become a little bit shorter, right? But when that quarterback has to start doing backpedaling, the, the angles for the ends become a little bit shorter and, and, and more, more easier to get to the quarterback. But if that is able to find a pocket and to step up in it, which when it makes that really difficult a lot of times – uh, that, that's when you kind of get in trouble. So the, the rush, the rush side of it, we're not worried about on the ends that much. It's it's that interior that that kind of has me looking and saying, all right, now like you know, play action is going to be very very crucial uh, in this, but getting the ball out is, is going to be necessary. Yeah, surprise secret weapon defensive interior player Quentin Jefferson for the Jets uh, having two sacks last week. The combination of him and Quentin, 10 total pressures according to PFF. Then you add in John Franklin Myers, who's a tweener a little bit. He had eight pressures himself. So it could get a little dicey for for the Cowboys offensive interior there. Um, Obviously, you see the graphic. We have a push. And just like the quarterback talk last week, we said there's not many teams that are going to, you know, eclipse the Jets in terms of talent on either edge or interior defensive line but right away week two against the Cowboys after especially after last week you have to put them as a push at the edge group so obviously we talked about Micah Parsons and how he's gonna haunt Zach's nightmares for the yeah, next that's, couple that, days that, that's when you lose me on the push any 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 offensive any defensive line that has Micah Parsons on it is a superior player and he makes it 
he makes it way better than anything else. Like that's the yeah. part that like you're talking about a guy who's a runner up for defensive player of the year, right? Like like he was defensive rookie of the year, finished third defensive of the year player that year. He was defensive rookie. Uh, he was second in in running last year. The push is different if Michael Parsons not playing, but because he's playing, he makes he's unblockable. Like this is the dude who's relentless oh, in everything that he does. Jesse, and, we're yeah. very concerned about it. Don't don't, <laughs> oh, yeah. don't don't think because we have it as a push, it's not yeah. giving me nightmares all week long. It has. Yeah. Trust me, I'm I'm, very I'm just saying. I'm just saying for Cowboys' sake. I I, I just can't say. I, I, I can't let I can't let y'all call it a push and me accept it oh, being yeah. a push. No, Michael Parsons on that list. Fair enough. And, Michael Parsons always gives whatever group that he's he's leading, he gives them the bump up because there's no one on that list that you name that comes close in comparison to what he does on the football field. And and I was going to say, Dylan, when you put up this graphic there, and for those of you who are listening to the show, there's we, we have the Jets favored in a lot of these groups this week, but mm-hmm. and that's how Dylan and I feel. But the thing that I think is the biggest takeaway here is don't just look at this and see that we think the Jets have an edge and think it's some overwhelming advantage that the Jets yeah. have this week. These two defenses are top three, at least in my opinion, defenses yeah. in the league. It is the definition of splitting hairs yeah. with these groups. Like it, you could convince me that the Cowboys linebackers are just that much better than the Jets linebackers and want to make that the Cowboys being favored. That's how close I think this matchup is this week defensively. You've got two of the best defenses in the league that depending on who you ask, you can ask anybody outside of the Jets or Cowboys circles, and they might give you two very different answers as to which position group is favored. So I wanted to make sure that that was out there, that, yeah, we Dylan and I think the Jets are maybe slightly favored in some of these categories, but overall, it's like razor-thin margins how close these two teams are defensively overall. Yeah, and when I was putting together this graphic, I said, damn, Micah Parsons is easily the best one of the (laughs) 10 names on this list. And it brought us back to when we did our summer rankings of the AFC East and we did positional battles. We had Jalen Phillips as the number one edge rusher in the AFC East, but we had the Jets as the best collective room. So I, I want you to convince me as to why the Jets should be taken down with another name that's not Micah Parsons. So you have Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, Sam Williams. Who's the other guy that's that needs to have a big game and, and the matchup to, to really put the Cowboys defensive line over the edge? I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is going to be, you know, who he is. But I, I've, I've long said that this Cowboys team is going to find themselves in a great position it's where Sam Williams needs to take that second year jump. Like he needs to be a big boy. Right. Um, I, I think his level of aggression is in the right place. Um, kind of like the, the level of it, I think, is sometimes just misguided. Um, you you, you got to harness it in and be able to get it going in the right direction. So for me, it's it's Sam Williams. I think. Tank is going to be the Marcus Lawrence tank. He's going to be consistent. Like that's who he's going to be. Solid in the run game. He's going to make plays when he has to make plays. Uh, same thing with Dante Fowler, Dorrance Armstrong. Those guys are going to be solid players. Um, and then Sam can be the X factor of it all because of his level of aggression. He could play inside, he could play outside. And and like you guys saw last week, um, you know, it, it's tough to say what these guys are without Micah Parsons. Still a really good group, but Micah makes. The thing that Micah does is what Quinnen does for you guys. Quinnen gives he, – he demands a double, even time, triple team, right? Mm-hmm. So what does that does? It, it, what does that do? It, it gives other guys – it gives the Lawsons and the Franklin Mize of the world one-on-ones. And so you, you want your guys, your, 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 your next-level guys, your Bs, uh, your B-level guys or not to be able to win consistently one-on-one battles. And I think for the Cowboys, you got to have a guy like Sam Williams do that uh, in the game. You saw last week 
you know, guys like uh, Osa have two sacks and, 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 and Doris Armstrong have two sacks. All that's because a lot of those times when you saw them, Micah Parsons was lined up in the A-gap, standing over top of the center. And so when he went to go blitz, uh, well, not blitz, when he went to just to go rush, he was getting two guys. And his rush even was pushing two guys back where guys were falling off and, and, and running in the sack. So to me, you know, those guys are really good players, but it's, it's so hard to say what they are without Micah Parsons, right? Like Micah, mm-hmm. Micah is the engine. He, he is the thing that makes these guys go. And whenever you have to find him, like when you, he's the kind of guy when you break the huddle, you're looking, where's 11? Where, okay, there's 11. And you find him first. And, and then now protection needs to be slid his way, right? Guys are saying, hey, 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 now give me a hand. If you got no extra work on your way, come back over here and help me out. Backs. If you before you get out on this release on this on this wheel route or this flare route or this whatever route, hey chip, tight end, just give me a little bit of a hammer down before you release on your route. So he he makes this group goes and and when you add him to it, it takes him way way over the top because he's that special. I'm really glad that I added Sam Williams to the graphic because I was thinking about leaving him off just based off his production and and his snap count, but. Uh, like Jerry Jones said, he's maturing. He's driving a little bit slower yeah. behind the wheel, so hopefully he's maturing on the field as well. <laughs> I did like him coming <laughs> coming out of Ole Miss, but, yeah, I think Demarcus Lawrence is the guy that uh, everybody should have their eyes on other than Micah Parsons. But Dorrance Armstrong, to me, I felt like he had a really good game against the Giants. So all around a really good group. Uh, we touched a little bit on the defensive interior. Um, we Quentin Jefferson, to me, was a really you know sneaky – uh, signing for us and I think it showed with two sacks but Al Woods as well had a sack so those the defensive interior for the Jets I had to give that the nod uh linebacker like Chris said, yeah but, but you know why you give it the nod I give the defensive line the same nod that you guys and I don't argue with this when it comes to defensive line I give you the same nod because of the play that Quentin Williams is absolutely that Michael Parsons is right like yes. like guys like you know Jefferson and Woods and Thomas they they get to eat off of the productivity like Quinn Williams played every snap the last game, every defensive snap, didn't come off the field, right? Like so that 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 says something about who he is as a player and what they want to do with him and how everyone feeds off that. So 100%, like he is a he's a special kind of player that um, apart from everybody else, he makes enough damage by himself, and so everyone else eats off that. So he has that same kind of um, he has that same kind of pull that Michael Parson has with his group is he's so much superior than everybody else that when you add him to that group, that group now is elevated to a space that they would not be absent or void of a Quentin Williams. Yeah, absolutely. And basically, like you said, it's the exact same conversation as Micah Parsons. If I had Jefferson and Woods as my starting interior, I wouldn't really feel too confident. Obviously, that worked for Seattle a little bit last year. Jefferson had five and a half, six and a half sacks. But Al Woods in a new role, I feel like if he was your starter alongside Jefferson, it really wouldn't work for what they want. And Quentin Williams, I mean, his get off for somebody who's 305 pounds, is just silly. His tackle for loss last week was was incredible. Uh, linebacker position, like Chris mentioned, um, splitting hairs again. Uh, I, I think when you look at just the top line, Mosley versus Vander Esch, it's kind of a push. Maybe Mosley with the veteran experience. I don't know. I kind of like Mosley a little bit better. Quincy, he had a good game last week. He was all over the field, yeah, but that's good, Quincy. We're kind of waiting for the other foot to drop. Some of us and say, where some of us, bad Quincy? Some of us, some of us. You can say it, Dylan. You can say exactly who it is. It's me because I was the person all summer that said, with Quincy, you get both the good and the bad in the same game. And then he goes out there on Monday Night Football, and there's no bad. 
There was no bad throughout the course of the game. So, yeah, it's me wondering if the other shoe is going to drop here because if he's the player that he was on Monday throughout the course of the remainder of the season, it's a totally different player, and it's a game-changer for the Jets. Yeah, so my my question to you is, one, can either the backs or tight ends get over on Quincy, and is Damone Clark a liability, or is he just somebody that doesn't really have a name yet on this defense that people should still be aware of? Yeah, there was one spot on our defense that was – kind of sus, it would be linebacker, right? Us it too. Would, yeah. Us it would, too. It would, be, <laughs> yeah. It, it would be linebacker. Hence why, you know, a guy like Damari Obershaw was getting so much uh, a play because of his athletic ability and, and why that Dan Quinn spends so much more of his time in this big nickel, big dime situation using J. Ron Curse, using Marquise Bell as that other linebacker. Um, because just their ability to be able to cover the tight end as well as playing in the run game, being able to get off blocks. That's where a lot of our guys have struggled before in the past is it's being able to get off blocks um, and, and not have to make tackles five or six yards down on the football field. So, um, you know, we, 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 we like you guys are kind of saying, all right, what Damone and what Leighton are we going to get week in and week out? Because one week we'll get really good Damone and really good Leighton. And then the next week, We'll say, well, damn, they couldn't get off blocks all game long. And you, you know, look up, you say, oh, yeah, but Leighton had 12 tackles. And you look at the average way he tackled that, he's like, yeah, he was tackling six yards down the football field. That doesn't, that doesn't do well for me when, he, when the running backs are always getting tackled on the second level. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, it's second, and, it's second and four. Yeah, he got a tackle, but he's six yards down the field. Uh, so so that one, it's, it's, it's almost identical when it comes to that one. We don't know what linebacking group we're going to get week in and week out uh, because – you know, those guys play well one week and, and the next week we give up 150 rushing yards, you know. So it's it's we're, we're like you guys. We're, we're, we're hoping for the good one this week. We, we won't let up 150 rush yards with the linebackers, but we certainly no. will let up 150 pass yards with 100%. the linebackers for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's kind of a tough one. But, yeah, I think that one could be, you know, convinced to be closer to a push than just the Jets. See, most um, this, teams don't pass on us because of Michael Parsons. So that's why we give up right. the run yards. So they're like, we're not dropping back to pass the ball deep down the football field on you guys because here comes Micah around there, you know, three and have it. I'm going to tell you, you, I think that's what the game plan is going to be on Sunday. So I don't think there's <laughs> yeah. going to be a lot of dropbacks. You mentioned uh, Dak Prescott's uh, league leading time to throw, and I don't know what rank Zach was, but his was 3.2 seconds. So very drastic difference between him and Dak is in terms of throwing the ball quickly. That needs to change because Micah is coming. Um, this cornerback slide here. I have the Jets above the Cowboys. I feel like that's going to ruffle a little bit of feathers, but I did give the Cowboys (laughs) an obvious advantage at safety. I know Jordan Whitehead had the three picks, but I think that's more of Josh Allen's decision-making more so than how good this safety room can actually be. We have to see it for a longer period of time. So just the secondary in general, do you agree with the corners? And and what do you think this safety group can do uh, to, to really stop the Jets? Listen, I, I got to start with the corners. I get that you guys love Soft Garter, love Soft Garter myself. I think he's a fantastic, fantastic player, terrific player, defensive rookie of the year last year. But again, DJ Reed, Michael Carter II, when you start talking about like stats and when you start talking about experience, they don't compare to what we have on our side. Trayvon Diggs, I mean, was, was an all pro, led the league in interceptions. Um, we all know what Stefan Diggs, you know, was, was the defensive player of the year one year. He's already had a pick already this season. The one thing I said about Stefan Diggs is I keep saying Stefan Diggs, Stefan Gilmore, excuse me, is while he, he never really had the wheels to run 
with receivers down the field, his ability to diagnose route concepts, splits down the distance, and keep everything in front of him and react to that is one of the best I've ever seen. Like literally one of the best I've ever seen. And he's still doing at a high level heading into the year 11 or 12 uh, this year. Um, Sauce makes this group way better than what it actually is. Um, So I can't give you the advantage there. Trayvon is one of those – Trayvon at times can, can, can be a little bit of a nosy defensive back. He gets his eyes in the backfield a little bit too much. He, 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 he's a very, very opportunistic cornerback. But he's the kind of guy, like, you know, uh, like, like, like Sauce a little bit, is you may get him once, but if you try him again, he's going to make you pay eventually. And, yeah. and, and he's showing that time and time again, two-time uh, you know, pro bowler, first-team all-pro. Uh, that that part to me, I, I think, and then Deron Bland has come on as his his knack for the football is special. Like there's some DBs who have good feet, good hips, but when it comes to getting to the football and getting their hands on the football, not very many do it at a level of success like Deron Bland. Like he finds the football and he gets his hand on the football a lot. Um, again, I, I, I think outside of Sauce, he can Sauce is the kind of guy can you can have in the conversation with Diggs and Gilmore and guys. DJ Reed and Michael Carter, they, they don't they don't have they don't have enough they don't have enough in their toolbox of experience and years in the league. I mean, DJ Reed's been in the league for five years. I think he has five interceptions total. Like, I mean, good player. And, you know, and he, he talks a lot for this Jets defense. He puts a lot on him because he does a lot of the talking in the media for this for this defense. But I, I don't think he's he's not that he's not that, you know, he's not that guy. He's not he's not a him. Sauce is a him. When you when you like. Oh, DJ Reed is a him. Uh, I don't <laughs> DJ know. Reed is I a don't him. know. It, it's, I, I was... it's, a, it's a lot of guys who say they're him. But but yeah. but. Here's here's why here's why I think I would go to I would go to bat for the Jets defensive backs and and this is really the big thing for me is they don't play matchup they will just take their side of the field and if you want to put your number one on that guy if you mm-hmm. want to put your number one on DJ Reed this week mm-hmm. go right ahead the Jets say if you want to put your number one on Stephon or on Sauce Gardner all week like they did with Stephon Diggs go ahead the Jets say no problem we believe in both of these guys and. It, it, I think for me, it's very telling that the bad week that Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed had as these as the top two corners for this team was 50 yards that they both gave up, and everyone's saying that that's a bad week for these two. So that would be my defense of of Sauce and DJ is that it doesn't matter who you put on them; they're going to talk the talk. They've backed it up since they both got here to New York, and again, they don't care who you put on. And I just I need to stick up for Michael Carter the second. I know you said Jerron. I'm going to mute. Bland this, is, this, has, is, this, uh, is, this is Dylan's thing. I'm just going to mute and sit back. I know you said Jerron Bland has the instinct of finding the football, but I think uh, Michael Carter has just as good of eyes and instincts himself for being such a young player. So I felt like that was kind of a wash when looking at it. I can kind of give you Stephon Gilmore over DJ Reed just due to the experience and the ability to take the ball away, but. I don't know. It's so tough to, Kinda, to say the, the Cowboys. We're talking about a forward defensive player of the year. Oh, no, yeah. Time pro bowler. Like, Stephon Diggs is a far and away better player than what DJ Reed is. He's been I don't know. I think, I, I think at, at this point of his career, DJ Reed's playing the best football he's ever played. And Stephon Gilmore probably isn't playing up to his best potential, but he's probably declining. I think overall the, the point comes back to Sauce over Trayvon Diggs. 
being the deciding factor. But I don't know. Michael Carter is a, a top 10 player on this on this Jets roster, in my opinion, just based off his his instincts and his eyes alone. So uh, it was a tough one there. But I, I can't admit I don't know too, too much about Deron Bland. But Stephon Gilmore, you have to give him his flowers and Trayvon Diggs. I mean, the discourse around him, the year that he led the league in interceptions, but also in like touchdowns or yards allowed or whatever it was, that's because they're testing him every single play to see what he has. But like you said, test him once, you might get lucky, test him twice, he will get you back. He certainly has the knack for the football. So that that's the cornerback group. Um I'll let you, you know, kind of poo-poo all over the Jets safety group here because <laughs> I'll 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 admit. We were worried about the safety group coming into the season, just like the linebacker group, the spine of that defense, and in terms of coverage specifically. But Jordan Whitehead had a you know career game, probably prime Jordan Whitehead on the Bucks type of game. Tony Adams kind of had an up and down game for the Jets. Adrian Amos played in a very very limited capacity, and then you look over at the Cowboys side, and they have like six guys you could put on this list that all play enough. And I know uh, Marquise Bell is like a safety convert to linebacker, so he could be here too, or up with Damone Clark. So just speak on the safeties and, and how much they use, like you said, the big dime, the big nickel, which is more safeties than corners as far as DBs go. Yeah, one of the things when Dan Quinn took over as a DC here, one of the things that he constantly you know wanted to do, and this was very um, opposite of what we had when we had guys like Chris Rashard here, you know, running the defensive backs was, Dan Quinn was very adamant on, I want big, long, rangy defensive backs. That's what I want. I, I want guys with you who can cover a lot of space that you have to throw around arms. And, and, and when he brought over J. Ron Curse, uh, while Micah gets a ton of the credit of being the, the alien of this defense, you know, on, on this team, the heart and soul of this team is J. Ron Curse, especially defensively. Like he is the guy who – everyone looks to as a leader. You know, they call him straight jacket. He's one of those guys who's very quiet uh, on his regular demeanor, but he turns into this complete monster on the football field. His ability to play the slot against tight ends and running backs and still be in the box. Uh, Malik Hooker is, is your consummate. He's, he's, he's found a place in this Dan Quinn defense where, you know, you look at guys like in the past that Dan Quinn's had, like Earl Thomas, just playing that free safety type position, getting everybody lined up, uh, on, you know, on the back end. And then the newcomer, Wanya Thomas, um, he is he is he has surprised a lot of people. He's come on and surprised a lot of people. And I just like this group and the versatility in this group that these guys are again rangy, they're physical. That, that's the thing. They're physical, they're fast, and 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 when they get Donald uh Donovan Wilson back into the mix, he's another one who's just a heat-seeking missile. He's looking for the smoke every single at every single turn. Um, this this defense really embodies what these what these these safeties are, and it starts with J. Ron Curse. Just the, the versatility, the athleticism, the aggressiveness. Um, they're looking they're looking for the smoke at all at all turns. But I I, I love the story of, of Jordan Whitehead to find out his three interceptions. He made a quarter mil in one night. That's oh yeah, not a, that's not a bad that's not a that's not a bad night work, right? You pick off Josh Allen on national TV three times, <laughs> you win the football game, and a $250,000 check's coming your way. It doesn't get much better than that. It's not a bad night. It's not a bad no, week. Not a work. bad week. Not that'll a bad work. week. So shout out to him for that. But, yeah, I think this group is just um, – they're just – if I'm looking for a word, it's versatility. It's, it's versatility in, in the way, like I said, and you can add um, uh, Marquise Bell into that mix, Donovan Wilson uh, into that mix if he plays this week. I think he might play this week. Um, so that, that group is, is four or five, six guys deep 
and, and they're all interchangeable, except Malik Hooker. I think he's 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 kind of free safety, leave him back there, let, let him call him back there. But the rest of those guys, they're just so versatile, man. Second level, third level slot, tight ends, running backs, and they'll come up and they will lay the hammer to you. Running back, tight end, doesn't make a difference. I was just going to say, so with all the talent and versatility in the safety room, does it almost play into the Cowboys' hands to go into 12 and 13 personnel so often with the tight ends? Or should they try to combat those big dime and big nickel situations with 11 personnel, with their wide receivers who might not be as good of blockers, but you can at least possibly get something in the pass game? Or are their safeties just going to play regardless if it's 11 or 12 from the Jets? That's the versatility of it. It's going to be, y'all want to go 13 personnel? That's fine with us. We like J. Ron Curse down in the box. We like, we like uh, Marquise Bell down in the box. You guys want to go 11 personnel? No problem with us. We like J-Ron coverage in, in, in coverage. We like uh, uh, Deron Bland in coverage. We like these guys in coverage. So it doesn't – that's the versatility part of it is that those guys don't have to come off the field in, in whatever in that you're in um, because of the size. When you look at – I mean, J-Ron Curse is six foot four, 210 pounds, right? Marquise Bell is another six foot two guy. These aren't small dudes. These are, these are big football players that are out there playing. These are, these are six, two, six, one, six, two, six, three, six, four type players that they have out there playing these positions. So these are big, big physical players that, that Dan Quinn loves and says, these are my star um, or my uh, big nickel, big dime linebackers, but they're also can play in the pass coverage and they also can play in the run game. That's, the, that's why I use the word versatility because they don't have to come off the field and, advantage goes to the Cowboys every time, every not just with you guys, every time a team has to go to 10 personnel to 11 personnel to spread this thing out, you cannot block. You don't have enough guys up front to, 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 to double team Micah and leave another guy one-on-one. Like you, you know, this is a long football game is four quarters. You, it may work in the first quarter, but eventually they're banking on every time a team has to go into more wide receiver sets, there's less people they have leaving in the block the more likelihood that one of our pass rushers are going to get to the quarterback. And God forbid in this particular game, if the Cowboys get up early 13 points, 14 points, and now you have to throw out the run game plan because you, you got to catch up. Um, that's, that's the difficult part uh, of playing the Cowboys is, is if, you know, you have to play this cat and mouse game of we got to be able to kind of keep up the, the drive that we have. But if we get down, and we got to kind of play with one hand behind our back and kind of give our, you know, show our hand of, of passing the ball. This is the advantage of having one of the best pass rushers in the league that you can just set them loose. Yeah, it certainly makes it tough. Um, just one more safety that I didn't put on the list, but I saw did play 23 snaps in the game against the Giants. Israel Mukwamu mm-hmm. uh, c- converted co- uh, cornerback out of college, I believe, South Carolina. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I know he didn't play like as much as the the starters and the big time guys did, but does he have a role on this team? Another guy, another six foot three guy, another yeah. versatile guy. Like this is these are the guys that Dan Quinn wants to use and have these guys play all of these positions. He wanted to play that rover, wanted to play that slot, wanted to play that corner. Dan Quinn wants to make it very difficult for you to have a window to throw in. When when it's time to throw, he wants to make it very difficult for you to have a window to throw, and he wants you to have to throw around. Um, you know, bodies, when they go to play those zones, Dan Quinn has been known to play that cover three zone. And and one of the reasons, you know, that works well for them when you look at what he had, and I always kind of reference back to look at what he had 
back with the Legion of Bull, we had guys like Richard Sherman, who's a six foot plus, uh, you know, kind of guy. Cam Chancellor was a six foot three kind of guy. He wanted the uh, Brandon Browner was a six foot three kind of guy. He wants the range. He wants you to have to like not be able to throw it over someone's head because the guy is six foot three. Now he, now we can always go up there and compete, tip the ball, tip drill and make interceptions. Or if they're playing a zone, now I don't have to fully be a man in the hole, but if I'm if my arms are spread wide, you kind of second guess throwing the ball in there. Especially if you're Zach Wilson, who who's been a guy who, you know, hasn't always been historically accurate in his his precision throwing. So that's oh, what Dan Quinn wants. He, he Dan, <laughs> Dan Quinn was, wants nothing but versatility from his defensive backs. I, I was just gonna say, Chris, it sounds like uh, Zach Wilson better be doing his homework on this Cowboys defense based on the way Jesse's talking about it. One last what a surprise! Slide. The Jets' season's going to come down to whether or not Zach Wilson has figured it out. It's as oh, if I've done this. Twenty twenty two on repeat. I know. Man. <laughs> this is this surprise. is week this is week twenty of the regular season for the Jets in twenty twenty two. That's that's how we got to look at it. Just a couple new faces, couple new places. Last slide here. We have special teams and coaching. Um, kind of 50-50 here. Cowboys. I got to give the coaching nod. Obviously, Mike McCarthy's experience. Uh, Dan Quinn's just he has head coaching experience and he's just a very good defensive coordinator. And John Fossil, I think, is a pretty good special teams coordinator. Um, obviously, on the Jets side, you have a little bit more, um, I guess, not, less experience with Albrick and Brent Boyer and Nathaniel Hackett. Obviously, Robert Sala has his shortcomings as a, a coach as well. But special teams, this is an area where the Jets have never been able to shine. Uh, last week was a push with the Bills, but I think this week is a a pretty clear advantage. Um, I don't know too much about your new kicker. Obviously, anger's a, a pretty we don't either. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 we don't that either. Helps there. <laughs> and then and then based off uh, Xavier Gibson's uh return last week, I had to add the return. You just found an excuse. You just said, I gotta get Xavier Gibson in there somehow or add them to the special. But it makes uh, sense this but, week because see, Turpin I think this way on the I graphic. Think, I go, I think this is where you, you this is where you kind of lose the debate a little bit, is because Kavate Turp is a pro bowler. I mean, Xavier is a new he's a newcomer. Listen, he had a big return last week. Was Snoop Jesse, Huntley. Tyler Huntley is a pro bowler. And <laughs> I, I love Tyler he Huntley. He is not, I mean, let's be we can't be just throwing CJ Mosley. Braxton Berrios was an all-pro returner. <laughs> CJ Mosley was a pro bowler last year. You ask a lot of Yo, don't you fans, slander CJ Mosley, Chris. Oh, I don't We're want to throw her up pro bowler as something that is just a get out of jail free card. No, no, very, very good return man, Kevante Turpin, for sure. I still, I think just based off the the kicker, Greg Zerloin has been money all summer. Um, I think he missed one kick in the preseason and camp combined. So I think that's kind of the edge there, but I don't think anybody's going to disagree with the Cowboys uh, having the coaching advantage, although I don't really, I, does this coaching staff inspire a lot of confidence in you outside of Dan Quinn? I know they had Kellen Moore last year. Mike McCarthy said, see you later. I'm going to call the plays. And they brought in Schottenheimer. So what, what's your, your thoughts about the coaching staff as a whole? I, when, when, when they decide to let uh, Jason Garrett go, well, I was not a fan of, uh, and I played for him. I was all on board, all on board for Mike McCarthy. The only thing that upset me about what Mike McCarthy allowed to happen early in his tenure was when he came in, the reason why I was so excited for him to come in was because I thought he was going to call plays. And then in the eighth hour, they were like, well, we're going to hire Mike McCarthy. 
but Keller Moore still going to call the plays. And I knew that was just Jason Garrett 2.0 all over again. So I didn't like that part. So I love the fact that now Mike McCarthy is calling the plays and he's running the show uh, from the head coaching and the offensive coordinator uh, standpoint. Um, I, I think Dak and Brock, Brock, uh, Shoddy is what they call him here. Um, I think they work well together. And Dan Quinn, I mean, find a better defensive coordinator than the National Football League. There is none. I mean, yeah. I, I think I think when you talk about being that that guy, he's he's that guy. Um, my fingers are crossed every offseason, praying that there's no opportunity that um, entices him enough to go be a head coach somewhere. Uh, because you, you lose a guy like that who not only is a good coach, when you get a chance to see Dan Quinn around the guys, like these guys love him. And I'm sure they probably feel that way about, you know, Robert Sala. Yeah. They, this, they love him. Like they love Dan Quinn, you know, he, he was he was working out this summer with the guys at the boxing gym. Like, that's the kind of coach that he is. He showed up to the boxing gym on several occasions with Micah and others and worked out with them. Like, he's that level of in tune with his guys. And, and it shows in practice. It shows in the games. He's like hat backwards in the dirt with them. Like, nah, let me show you. Like, he loves that part of the football uh, of the football business. And um, it, it, it pays huge dividends for the way that these guys run around the football field for him. And, and Bones Fossil is, is – Bones is a freaky guy. You just never know what you're going to get with Bones. You, he's, he's, he's a guy who, you know, um, will get you a block field goal one week and then he'll do something crazy, fake punt the next week, and you're like, what are you doing, Bones? Um, but I like Bones. Bones is a good dude. I, but I, I do think overall this is a much more experienced, a much more – uh, a sound coaching staff than what the Jets have right now. Yeah, in the pre-show, I said to Chris that Dan Quinn is probably a top three defensive coordinator, and that's mostly because other names just weren't coming to my mind. So you could probably make a case that he is the best defensive coordinator, and it would be a, a crushing loss if he were to get elevated back up to a head coach, uh, head coaching position. Um, we just hit the hour mark on the show, so we're going to ask now for the prediction. Uh, we're going to start with Chris. Hopefully this is a bit more green. Why? And then and then we'll, we'll end with Jesse here. Because Jesse is our guest and we're going to let him go last. All right. Well, everybody knows last week I did not predict the Jets to win the football game. I said 24-20 for the Buffalo Bills. And I was incorrect. <laughs> I started the year 0-1. I was happy to be wrong. Look, this is a brand new team from what we were expecting to see a week ago. Because they've made a major change at quarterback. And Zach Wilson is now going to be the guy. And so we start back from our priors and our priors are what we saw last week from Zach Wilson and what we saw in 2022. And I think the recipe for the New York Jets is going to be they're going to attempt to play very close, very low scoring football games. And even when Zach wasn't at his best last year, they were playing very low, very close scoring games. And so I think that's the recipe for them this week. I'll tell you, I don't expect them to win this football game, but I expect the defense to keep it close. And I expect them to have a chance in the second half to win the football game. I just don't think they get it done. I think the pass rush for the, for the Cowboys is too much. I think Zach it just isn't going to be there right away one week after being told he's the starter again. So I have this 23-17 Dallas. I think the Jets are going to be one and one and have to find a way to uh, win a couple games here before they're by, or else there are going to be some calls for a new quarterback in town. But I have Dallas winning the football game 23-17. Jesse, do you agree with Chris, or do you think it'll be closer, or do you even think it'll be much more of a deficit? Yeah, I think um, everything that he was saying about how the Jets should approach this game, I agree with. 
about how you you have to make this um, you got to make it um, bloody, mucky, muddy. You you have to you you have to muck this game up. This is not a game where you you this is you you don't you don't. The thing is, without a quarterback, you don't have you don't have the thoroughbreds to run an offensive race, right? You just don't. I I I think Garrett Wilson is one of the up and coming young receivers, and I was looking forward to see what he and Aaron Rodgers was going to do this season. Um, but just just Zach Wilson, nothing about him says I'm going to be a game manager. Everything about him says I'm going to be, I'm 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 going to be Captain America. I'm going to be the superhero, and I'm going to make the big play. So I can tell you guys, told you so. I'm the guy, you know. I'm the milf for our lover. Just all that kind of good stuff that he does. Um, but uh, I think it's close early. Is my is my turn for prediction? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's close early in this football game. Um, but I think the Cowboys begin to drag this defense out to, to deep waters and then they put the hammer on them. Um, and I, I think it's more so of the 24-10 variety of a football game, 24-9 uh, variety of the football game. And I think it's because the, the defense just wear down from being on the field so much because Zach Wilson gives them a bunch of three and outs. Um, uh, and you know, a lot of time in the in the football game, but they better run the football a lot. That's that's their saving grace in this thing. But I'm thinking 24, 23, 24 to nine, Cowboys. Yeah, Dylan, I just want I just want to add one thing after after hearing what Jesse said. I, I think you saw that at times last year, right? The Vikings game in particular is one that stands out to me, where the defense was able to kind of be okay, but then they would just give up a big uh, opportunity. And this was with Mike White at quarterback, but just because the offense wasn't where. We all thought it could be that you can't ask the defense to, to go three and out every single time they're on the field. Um, they're going to give up touchdowns. It's just going to happen throughout the course of the season. And they gave up 16 points in the game on Monday. And so that that's uh, a big thing. And, and I'm going to be very intrigued to see what the splits are uh, in terms of passing volume. I, I think if Zach throws the ball more than 22 times, I would be shocked. I think they're going to try to keep that number extremely low and look for the Jets to try to do that thing where they have six, seven, eight minute drives where they just try to keep Dallas off the field yeah. and just try to win the time possession game. I don't know if it's going to be effective, uh, but that's certainly what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to overwhelm you with time of possession and just try to just grind this game to where you're only getting a couple of possessions throughout the course of the contest. That's going to be their only path, I think. I agree. Yeah, unfortunately, the MO with the Jets offensively with Zach is they have to just run the ball, be more physical. Even defensively, they have to be more physical. And this week specifically against the Cowboys, both offensively and defensively, is going to be tough to be the more physical unit. I think the Jets defense has the ability to be physical, but you're going to also have to turn the ball over and create uh, turnovers on Dak Prescott's end. As far as the offense being more physical than the Cowboys defense, I have far less hope. And I don't think that, I mean, you can't run the ball 60% of the time. They did it 50-50 dead even last week. I think they kind of got a little lucky with that game plan. Uh, if they if they try to do that again, they better hope that their defense is creating three and outs because we could see a lot of Thomas Morstead on the field for the Jets that being said, I am predicting that the Jets do create some turnovers, maybe not two Dak Prescott interceptions, but the Cowboys are going to win the game 16 oh. to 13. 
I'm not, no, nah, not with. I was going to go the other way. I got to tell you, Jesse, I was ready. Like, I was, I was going to go to war. Like, if he said, I was like, like whoa. We were going to war together. I, was, I, was like, right I had to build it up. I had to build it up, right? I had to build it up to get everybody excited. No, I think it's going to be a one score game. I think Dallas being the home team, being the the equally, if not more physical team uh, all around is going to to help them for sure. Damn, we wish we had Aaron Rodgers for this one because, like you said, the A in AT&T stands for Aaron, and we no longer have that. Hopefully we have, you know, a a sprinkle of that with Zach Wilson, but it's not looking great. Um, Yeah, so 16-13, I think we all have the the Cowboys sweeping there. Um, You have it a little bit uh, further apart, Jesse, which is understandable. The the Zach Wilson-led offense has only scored one touchdown in the last four games, dating back to last year, so not really great. Chris, obviously, at 23 to 17, a bit more hopeful. And, and then myself, 16, 13, maybe one touchdown for the Jets. Who knows how they get it exactly. So that's going to do it for our show. So, Jesse, we really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. Please tell everybody uh, where they can follow your content, whether it's YouTube, social media, whatever. Yeah, man, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and Twitter, all at Mr. Fourth and Long. Um, you can follow me. Uh, I have a new show that I started this year called Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. On YouTube, uh, you can follow it. You can find it under Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. And, and Mumbo wants to say hello. Sorry, Mumbo was he been wanting to say hello for a long time. So oh, this is this is Mumbo. A, we, there was a dog the whole time. And we didn't get an appearance. Yeah, this is this absolutely is absolutely fantastic. This is Mumbo. Oh. Come, 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 come. This is this is my 130 pound Connie Corso. This here he is right there. Right? This is Mama. He wants to say hello. He's been dying to say hello all game. But yeah, you can find me at Mr. Fortin Long and all those social medias. But please go like, subscribe my new show, Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. Hanging with the boys. You can find me at DallasCowboys.com. A to Z Sports. I'll be doing the pre halftime and post game show for the Cowboys. And believe in the Cowboys, uh, I do every week with Jeff Cavanaugh. So I'm, as the young people say, I'm outside. <laughs> certainly plenty of places that you can find yes. Jesse's content. I will have to listen back and link all of those in the yeah. description below. <laughs> we really appreciate you coming on yeah, once man. again. Thank uh, you guys. For, for me, you can follow me on X at D Terraman. You can follow Chris at Chris Schubert underscore. And like he said, at Mr. Fourth and Long, make sure you follow Jet Nation on all social media platforms. I now have my dog sitting here begging for some screen time. <laughs> That's not going to happen. For, for everybody in the chat, we really appreciate it. And, and until next time, let's go Jets. Let's hope to get 2-0, but let's go Jets. <laughs>